Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. He is prepared for an invasion. President Putin to step back. They could launch a military action essentially at any time. Very, very dangerous, difficult situation. We are on the edge of a precipice. Trucker protests. If you choose to use your vehicle to create chaos, you will lose that vehicle and your license. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is another week, another day of News and Views. Lots to talk about today, and uh, we'll get to it all. The uh, WNCT is reporting Coast Guard officials confirmed a small plane crashed Sunday afternoon down near Beaufort near the Drum Inlet, about four miles east of the Drum Inlet. Uh, Monday morning, just after 11, officials say debris field where the plane was believed to have crashed was found. Efforts turned into that area to search for survivors. Coast Guard said Monday morning it would give another update and confirmed then that eight people were on board the plane. Associated Press reports that Flight Aware listed departure of the plane from Hyde County Airport at 1.35 p.m., so it went down shortly after it took off. Um, there was an unconfirmed report that four of the passengers were students at East Carteret High School, WNCT's Cheyenne Pagan reports. The uh, Carteret County Public School System released a statement to WNCT that read in part, we're inca- incredibly saddened as we join with the down east and eastern North Carolina communities as, we're await, as we await rather uh, the official word uh, on the crash. So uh, don't know who was involved or what the families were, but uh, do say a prayer for those folks as uh, the plane went down yesterday afternoon around 2.10. So um, yesterday was the uh, big Super Bowl. It was one of the – I actually, I, I'm, I've got to say that the NFL playoff games have been really good games, including the Super Bowl yesterday, which was a rather close game. Interesting, though, that – and I know we're not a sports show. I won't get into all that, but – there were two bad calls by the officials. Uh, one was a bad call that favored the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. The other was a bad call that favored the uh, L.A. Rams. So at the end of the day, they offset one another. Interesting story, though, was all the celebrities out there in, in Hollywood who uh, came out to uh, the uh, Coliseum to watch. Well, it wasn't the L.A. Coliseum, but came out to the uh, stadium to watch the uh, game. Uh, apparently, they forgot uh, to wear their masks. Really interesting. Uh, apparently, the Los Angeles mayor, Eric Garcetti, was able to hold his breath for the entire four hours of the game. <laughs> Just saying. But, uh, yeah, they were all out there, and uh, none of them were in the masks. Ellen DeGenerate. Oh, DeGeneres. I'm sorry. The um, she makes her audience wear masks when she's taping for a program, but uh, she was out at the uh, game with no mask on. It was rather interesting as well after the game, as you might expect. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're talking about Los Angeles here, right? So after the game was over, the um, rioters came out. Um, anything to, hey, hey, we'll have a riot, we'll break some windows, and we'll steal what we want. And uh, sure enough, uh, they came out. CBS News in Los Angeles has coined a new term 
called the rioters problematic celebrators. Problematic celebrators. The Daily Wire noted this is why people are just have had it with the media. They said this is why people support truckers despite the government and media narratives. If they're on your side, they call out of control looting and property damage problematic celebrations. When you're actually peaceful and they don't like what you're doing, you're called hateful, violent racist. Problematic celebrators compared to the trucker convoy. How much destruction is done by an occupation and how much is done by celebrators? Good question. More detached rhetoric. These are not problematic celebrators. They are criminals. They're not violent. No wonder people don't trust the media. This uh, tweeter talking about the uh, truckers. And uh, <laughs> it, is, um, it is rather bizarre. Greg Melfin uh, of NBC, if you remember back in May of 2020, he tweeted when reporting on George Floyd. This went out to uh, other correspondents from NBC. This will guide our reporting in Minnesota. While the situation on the ground in Minneapolis is fluid and there has been violence, it's most accurate at this time to describe what is happening there as uh, protesters, not riots. So uh, we had uh, problematic celebrators out in L.A. last night. Carolina Journal is reporting the fate of two approved amendments to North Carolina's Constitution now sits at the hands of the Supreme Court. Uh, if you've been following the news at all, you will know exactly what the outcome of these two amendments will be by the Supreme Court. Now, it'll be interesting. We were talking to Keith Kidwell last Thursday evening, and as Keith indicated, depending on what the election does to the makeup of the Supreme Court— in terms of the maps going back to the Supreme Court after we get, theoretically, let's assume we get a, a conservative majority on the Supreme Court, those maps could go back. There could be a new trial, hearing, whatever you want to call it, uh, at the Supreme Court. And uh, a, a map that is similar to what was kicked out by the Supreme Court, similar, not exact, but similar, could be reinstated by a new court. Well, the current court, as they hear this new question concerning two amendments, uh, one amendment would enshrine a voter identification requirement into the state's governing document, the Constitution, which was approved by uh, the voters. Uh, the other would be a lower state's existing cap on income tax. The voters approved each amendment back in 2018, four years ago, with at least 55% of the vote. But critics say the amendment should never have been on the ballot. They say an illegally, racially gerrymandered General Assembly had no authority to place the amendments before the voters. Well, if you're going to use that logic, then we basically need to toss every uh, law that was passed going back to, what, the early 1900s? I mean, how many decades— have the Democrats been gerrymandering districts, congressional districts and state districts? So if you're going to use that absurd logic, then I guess we ought to toss every law that's ever been passed. Um, 
where it is the most important that the court step in and protect our democracy, asked Kim Hunter, representing the North Carolina NAACP. That group is challenging both amendments in a lawsuit, NAACP versus Moore. A constitutional amendment is uh, just clearly distinct. There is, um, it is there to protect fundamental rights, to set fundamental laws in our state, Hunter added. Once it's in place, unlike regular legislation, it can't be declared unconstitutional under state law. Well, it's been passed as an amendment to the Constitution. Why isn't it in there now? Why, if that's true, then why, why are you attempting to pull it out? Uh, Hunter argued for the Supreme Court to strike down both amendments. On the other side of the argument, attorney Martin Worf called that possible outcome unprecedented and wrong. The General Assembly never lost its authority to act, and its acts are not subject to an institutional attack, said Worf representing legislative leaders in the case. Whether the General Assembly has popular sovereignty is a political question, one that counts abstained from, uh, one that the courts abstained from resolving, I should say. Six of the seven justices peppered Hunter and Wharf with questions. Paul Newby, the chief justice, a Republican, wondered why the court should throw out amendments approved in a statewide popular vote. Why is that appropriate, Newby asked Hunter. Um, Justice Anita Earls, a Democrat, pointed to the original trial court's ruling against the amendments. She emphasized the court's findings that the two challenge amendments could hurt black voters. Uh, Bottom line of this, uh, folks, is this is going to be the exact same outcome as the maps were. And uh, hopefully there'll be the opportunity for the court to uh, overturn this once we get a new uh, Supreme Court in. But again, Anita Earls who uh, once worked for the NAACP, is now going to rule on a hearing for, in favor of the NAACP as they bring this against uh, the legislation. Well, it's really against the people of North Carolina. The people of North Carolina passed these two amendments to, you know, put a, a cap on income tax and require a voter identification. And uh, they can say all they want, but time and time again, and the Supreme Court, as far as the uh, voter identification requirement goes, um, that is that has uh, been approved by the Supreme Court of the United States. It doesn't matter. I, I mean, this is a dog and pony show. Until we get a new court in there, um, it'll go down. They'll both go down, just like the— uh, I. I <laughs> Is there a possibility that we could have one of the Democrats come over to the Republican side? If they didn't do it in the maps, I don't see them doing it now. So the big story over the weekend is um, John Durham's findings. Former President Donald Trump said special counsel John Durham's court filing provides indisputable evidence that Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign spied on his campaign and his presidency to develop a completely fabricated connection to Russia, which is a bigger scandal than Watergate, he said. This is a scandal far greater in scope and magnitude than Watergate, and those who were involved in and knew about this spying operation should be subject to criminal prosecution, Trump said in a statement referring to the scandal that forced Richard Nixon to resign in 1974. The statement comes after Durham's team alleged that Democrat-aligned tech executive was paid to spy on Trump's residence and the White House while he was president. 
in a shorter period of time in our country, this crime would have been punishable by death. Now, that's what all the mainstream media is going to focus on, that the, the, the headline, if they cover it at all, which they haven't, by the way, but if they cover it at all, the headline would be Donald Trump wants to kill his political foes. Durham's motion is about potential conflicts of interest related to the representation of former Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman, who has been charged with making false statements to the FBI that he was not working on behalf of Clinton at the time. Now, the other thing that um, is really rather interesting, and Jim Jordan hit upon this, Mark Elias, who was uh, working for Perkins Coy, uh, was also the, the same the same guy that came down here last fall and decided that he was going to jump in and uh, twist the arm. Well, I don't think he had to twist too hard, but twist the arm of the uh, State Board of Elections and uh, Josh Stein to extend um, the, the length of time for voting for absentee ballots. And uh, John Durham and uh, has, has come out, and he hasn't mentioned Elias by name, but Jim Jordan started connecting the dots earlier today on Fox News. Cut one. This is, frankly, it's no different. It's the template that the left uses, that the Democrats use. It's the same thing that happened four months ago when we found out the Department of Education went out and solicited the letter from the National School Board Association so they could do what they wanted to do, namely spy on parents. The same thing happened here. And this is what's so egregious and so wrong about it. I mean, you, you think about it, they spied on a presidential campaign. That's as wrong as it gets. But then we found out from this filing that they actually spied on a sitting president, which is even worse. So this is just simply as wrong as it can possibly be. We do need to investigate this stuff, get to every bit of information we can uh, if, in fact, uh, the, the people give us the majority here in a few months. I wonder what you think about Jake Sullivan serving now as the national security advisor. We don't know where Mr. Durham will go with the investigation. He may, in fact, be looking at Mr. Sullivan. We'll have to wait and see. What I do think is interesting is in that filing, it talks about Zussman, who's been indicted, and Tech Executive One, speaking with another lawyer at Perkins Coie, which everyone believes is Mark Elias. Now, we all know Mark Elias is the Democrats' go-to election guy. He worked at Perkins Coie. They're the ones who helped finance and put together the now-famous dossier that they used on President Trump. But he's also the guy who's out there filing all these actions against Republican redistricting efforts. And he's part of the operation in North Carolina to try to keep one of my colleagues off the ballot. So this guy's involved in all those things. And now we learn he was involved in spying on the president of the United States. I think that is a key takeaway. The Democrats key lawyer, their number one election lawyer was involved in spying on the sitting president of the United States. Congressman, I also wanted to ask about this. Hillary Clinton, there are rumors that she might want to run again. She's not squashing them in any way. She's never answered questions about this issue, should she? Well, of course she should, particularly now that it goes right to her campaign, right to the Democrats' top election lawyer. Uh, of course she should answer questions. I think the other big takeaway is President Trump was right. Clear back in 2017, he said, they're spying on me. And all the Democrats and the mainstream press said, no, no, that's not happening. Two years later, it was Attorney General Barr who said spying took place. And the media and the Democrats had the same reaction. Now we know for sure in 2022, now we know for sure that they were, in fact, spying. And it was, as I said yesterday, worse than we thought. Uh, yeah, Hillary Clinton looks like she's going to try to run. If it's a rematch between her and President Trump, uh, I think President Trump wins in a landslide. Uh, Jim Jordan from earlier today. 
Jordan vowed if Republicans take back control of the House of Representatives after the midterms, they will launch an investigation. And, you know, on one hand, I, I, and I think it was uh, Greg Murphy that said, I mean, he was for an investigation, but, you know, it's, it's almost tiring how we have to constantly have these investigations. But all the investigations into Donald Trump, the Mueller investigation, which, by the way, they spent about $40 million on uh, so far— the Durham investigation has only spent about $3.5 million. So, and Mueller found nothing. But um, indeed, if this is true, and it certainly looks like it is, um, yeah, there needs to be a, a, a huge investigation. Remember back, and by the way, he was referring to, Jim Jordan was referring to Madison Cawthorn. Mark Elias is trying to keep Madison Cawthorn from running for re-election, and he is doing it through the State Board of Elections. So Mark Elias still has his fingers in the State Board of Elections. I mean, boy, this is important that we get the governor mansion back, and uh, Mark Robinson or somebody needs to get back in the governor's mansion. The corruption that is going on that they're getting away with is unbelievable. And, I mean, this goes right up to Cooper, by the way, in terms of him allowing Mark Elias to have his fingers in the cookie jar and stirring the pot. Uh, But remember back to October 31st of 2020, just before the election. I mean, just a week or so before the election. Jake Sullivan, who is now Biden's national security advisor. I mean, he was the same guy that was out there last week telling everybody to get out of Ukraine. He would then last— Back on October 31st of 2020, before the election, um, he was um, Hillary Clinton's uh, American senior policy advisor. Um, He was saying, and I said, I'm sorry, not 2020. This is back, this is October 31st, um, 2016, before before that election. Um, He said that... um, or he, he did a hit piece uh, in Slate that was titled, Was Trump's Server Communicating with Russia? And he took the lead in pushing that narrative. He wrote, this could be the most direct link yet between Donald Trump and Moscow. Computer scientists have apparently uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russian-based bank. The secret hotline may be the key to unlocking the mystery of Trump's ties to Russia. It certainly seems the Trump organization felt it had something to hide, given that it apparently took steps to conceal the link when it was discovered by journalists. Yeah, by journalists. The link of communication may help explain Trump's bizarre adoration of Vladimir Putin and, an, and, an, and endorsement of so many pro-Kremlin positions through his campaign. It raised even more troubling questions in light of Russia's masterminding of hacking efforts that are clearly intended to hurt Hillary Clinton's campaign. We can only assume that the federal authorities now explore this direct connection between Trump and Russia as a part of their existing probe into Russia's meddling in our elections. So, I mean, you know, with Democrats, when you hear them making these accusations, you need to pull back the curtain and see, okay, what exactly are you guilty of? I mean, this was the, according to the Durham report, this was done by the Hillary Clinton campaign. And don't tell me that she had no knowledge of it. And certainly Jake Sullivan, I mean, 
he was informed pretty early on about it if he wasn't involved in actually creating it. But here's another interesting thing. Remember um, Hillary's demeanor after she lost the 2016 election to Donald Trump. She was totally depressed. She had to be talked into attending Trump's inauguration by her husband, Bill. And apparently she was in seclusion for weeks. And she was out of the news for months, probably close to a year. You didn't hear anything from her. Doesn't it all make sense now? I mean, I, I'm I'm connecting the dots and I'm speculating here, but she was not just depressed because she lost the election. She was depressed knowing that if the truth about her, her illegal activities or campaign's illegal activities, she might be staying in a gray eight by twelve for the next five, ten to twenty, <laughs> for a long time. I mean, she, she came out of seclusion months and months later. And I would guess that she finally thought, oh, I guess I got away with it. It is really going to be interesting to see how far up the totem pole this gets. Will Hillary herself go down? I I, I hope so. I'd be honest with you, partly for vengeance, but more so I hope it uh, some of the big names go down because this is this is worse than Watergate. I mean, I'm not I'm not winking at Watergate, but Watergate was spying on a campaign. This not only jumped in and was eavesdropping on the the Trump Towers, his residency in New York, they actually went into the White House and were spying on the president. You talk about enemies domestic and abroad, foreign and domestic, I should say. Is this not that? I've got more on this. I've got the Leslie Stahl interview with Donald Trump from uh, 2020. We'll talk about that and uh, more. So stay with us. News and Views continues right after this. This is your Drive at 5 and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Uh, by the way, don't forget it is Valentine's Day. Uh, guys, um, if you've forgotten, still got a few minutes before you go home. Stop and get something somewhere. Uh, take a look at your weather forecast tonight. Clear, low around 24. Tuesday, sunny, high near 53. Tuesday night, low around 32 with clear skies. Wednesday, warms up to 65 with sunshine. Wednesday night, the low is only around 50. So, uh, Get out and enjoy. It looks like we've got a little rain in the extended forecast for Friday and uh, Saturday and Sunday. The weekend coming up looks like it's going to be in the mid to upper 50s with lots of sunshine. So all in all, not too bad of a forecast. So we're talking about the Durham report. And uh, the question is, will Hillary go down? Uh, you know, we always have a theme to the uh, broadcast, the title of the broadcast. And uh, today is, don't ever underestimate Donald Trump. I mean, at the end of the day, Donald Trump is going to get it correct. I mean, Sadie and I used to talk about this all the time. But Sadie would say, oh, you know, I don't know about Donald Trump. And I'd say, don't underestimate Donald Trump. That's true. Every time. I mean, literally, I'm not, I'm not saying the guy's a saint. I'm saying the guy's perfect and the guy was caustic in his tweets. I understand all that. But on the major issues, Donald Trump is 
I mean, it's got to be like 50 to 1, his ratio of being right on these major issues. Just like I promised, right? <laughs> yes, Mr. President, just like you promised. Thank you. The interesting thing is, I love to talk to Donald. He's such an easy interview. Um, interesting, Fox News just came out a few minutes ago with another report, a follow-up report on all of the news that's been coming out for the last for 36 hours. Um, apparently, it has been reported by a anonymous source. So I'll, I'll give you that caveat. But this sounds like it's probable. You know, I was just talking about before the break, how many big names are going to go down. What is going to really make this interesting is the number of people, the lower level people, that decide they're going to cooperate with the Durham investigation and they're going to turn state witness. And apparently, according to the story, um, John Durham's investigation has accelerated and more people are, quote, cooperating and coming before the federal grand jury than previously has been reported, according to a source familiar with the probe. The source told Fox News Monday that Durham has run his investigation very professionally, and unlike special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation, his activities and witness information and cooperation status are rarely, if ever, leaked. Durham does this right and keeps it a secret. So with, with that said, and I don't have any specifics, but this uh, individual has said that there are now people that are saying, I think I might want to cooperate. And the more the truth that comes out, and the more you shine a light on the situation, the more people are going to say to themselves, okay, do I want to go down or do I want to cooperate? And look, the low-level guys and gals, uh, they're going to want to cooperate because they're not going to fall on the sword for Hillary. I mean, the other interesting thing is, I know Jim Jordan said that it looks like Hillary's going to run again. Hillary does not have the numbers. <laughs> Hillary just does not have the numbers. People are not going to go along and uh, fall on the sword for a loser. In fact, um, you know, there's a there's a story out today. Uh, it's actually a CNN poll asking uh, who Democrats want to run in 2024. And um, I don't even see Hillary Clinton on the list. I mean, what's interesting about this, it's really not good for uh, for Biden. He has a 40% approval rating amongst Democrats. And in 2021, a national survey from NPR found that a plurality of Democrat voters want somebody other than Joe Biden to be their nominee in 2024. Uh, new CNN poll asked Democrats who they think the party should nominate for president in 2024. Joe Biden at 41%, somebody else at 51%. No opinion, 5%. So <laughs> Joe's 10% below somebody else. I mean, the, the number, I mean, I don't see Hillary on this list. Now, maybe they didn't ask about her, but um, Bernie Sanders, 5%, Michelle Obama, 4%, Pete Buttigieg, 2%, Kamala Harris, 2%, Elizabeth Warren, 1%, AOC for president, <laughs> 1%, Oprah Winfrey made the list, 1%, Cory Booker, 1%, Stacey Abrams didn't get enough to even make 1%. So I, I say all that to say that um, Hillary Clinton is not somebody that people are going to fall on their sword for. She's she's 
no longer an asset to the party. Neither, neither is Joe Biden, by the way. And there's there's some interesting stories I'm going to get to, too, that you know, even the Washington Post, which normally a liberal publication like the Washington Post carries the water for somebody like Joe Biden and Jen Psaki, now they're challenging Joe Biden and Jen Psaki. So anyway, I, I, it's, it's going to be interesting to see the number of people that decide I am going to cooperate rather than go down. Remember uh, last year, this is, this is the 2020 issue I was um, referring to, 60 Minutes correspondent Leslie Stahl, she interviewed Donald Trump. And um, during the interview, which was about 20 minutes, in fact, remember Donald Trump said, I'll only do the interview if you let me record the interview, do a videotape of my own so I can challenge you when you start uh, issuing this false information. 60 Minutes uh, and Leslie Stahl are now facing calls to address this 2020 interview with uh, then-President Trump. She famously dismissed claims that political opponents spied on his campaign after new allegations in the Durham investigation supported this uh, Trump's suspicions. Uh, well, don't hold your breath that she's going to apologize for that. Uh, you know, th- they'll call it a – I mean, it- it's going to be interesting to see if uh, Durham is uh, accused of being part of the Trump campaign. I mean, something bizarre will happen. I mean, th- they will – there's there's no way they're going to get back and, and say, Mr. President, you were right, we were wrong. But this is back in October of 2020. Trump sits down with Leslie Stahl for an interview and uh, he talked about this vicious attack, which the Durham campaign or the Durham investigation has now pretty much said, yeah, Donald Trump was right. Cut I two. wish you would interview Joe Biden like you interview me. And he's walking with a ice cream. And the question the media asks him, what kind of ice cream, what flavor ice cream do you have? <laughs> and he's in the midst of a scandal. He's not. And he's taking... He's of course not. he is, no. Leslie. Come on. Of course he is. It's the biggest, second biggest scandal. So the biggest scandal was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my well, campaign. There's Leslie. no real evidence of that. Of course there is. No. It's all over the place. Leslie, Sir, they spied on my campaign and they can got I, caught. Can I say something? You know, this is 60 Minutes. And we can't put on things we can't no, verify. You won't put it on because it's bad for Biden. We can't Look, put on you. things we can't verify. Leslie, they spied and, on my campaign. Well, we can't verify that. It's been totally that. verified. No. It's been, just go down and get the papers. They spied on my campaign. They got caught. No. And then they went much further than that, and they got caught. And you will see that, Leslie, and you know that, but you just don't want to no. put it on the air. As a matter of fact, I don't know that. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, it wasn't just Leslie Stahl. It was CNN. It was MSNBC. It was the, the major networks. They were all mocking. And how about the, how about the Democrats? I mean, how about the, the whole impeachment was on this. How about Adam Schiff? He needs to be impeached. Interestingly, according to the Daily Wire, a whopping percentage of Democrats say they want prosecutors to investigate Hillary Clinton for her role in the Russian Gate scandal. A new poll out. Last month, even before the new, this is before the John Durham investigation released this information last week. Last month, before the new findings from John Durham's investigation, found that attorneys for the 2016 Clinton campaign paid the tech company, you know, the, the, the spying, the hacking of the uh, servers. A shocking 66% of Democrats 
stated they had been watching the case and said they want Hillary Clinton investigated. The same poll found in October that the percentage of Democrats who agreed that Hillary should be investigated was 20 points lower. This <laughs> is not good for the Hildebeast. Um, I mean, they... It is really interesting how the the liberals, the progressive part, the well, <laughs> I repeat myself, the progressives, the Democrats, they keep pushing their authoritarianism. They keep demanding that they be followed. They keep slamming their fists to the table and saying, "You will listen to me." And uh, the the masses are telling them where to go we got to take another time out. When we get back, a new story out of uh, Dallas Woodhouse and the Carolina Journal. Democrats pushing for a Sand Hills congressional district. What will that mean to Eastern Carolina? We'll have that when we get back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. The Carolina Journal is reporting Democrats are likely to fare well in the court order redraw of the North Carolina congressional maps. Multiple sources tell the Carolina Journal that new bipartisan congressional maps would result in seven solid GOP seats, five solid Democrat seats, and two swing districts. The General Assembly must approve the new maps by Friday, uh, speculation is that they will be released tomorrow. Under the plan now under consideration, Democrats would achieve a long-stated goal of creating a new district in North Carolina's Sand Hills region. It would be a swing district. The newly created 13th district would also be significantly altered. It would go from double-digit GOP seat to a swing seat. Now, remember that uh, these swing seats, they're not guaranteed for the Democrats. And uh, remember, Republicans won a majority of the congressional seats under maps that were created by Democrats. Uh, Traditionally, the first midterm election of uh, of the party whose president is in the White House does not go well for that party. And if things continue to go like they're going right now with the Democrats in charge, they're really not going to go well. So these swing seats don't necessarily mean that the Democrats will win the seats. Um, Looking at eastern North Carolina, as this all falls out, the eastern North Carolina district now represented by retiring Democrat G.K. Butterfield would move from a Democrat-leaning swing seat to a solid Democrat seat, picking up considerable part of Pitt County, as well as some of the finger counties, including including Elizabeth City and Pasquotank County. Overall, Democrats would achieve their goal of protecting three of their incumbents and would be virtually guaranteed to elect Democrats in two other open seats. Using the number from the recently invalidated maps, the Democrat-leaning seats would be North Carolina 2, which is Butterfield's seat, that would be an open seat. Uh, North Carolina 5, Representative Deborah Ross, she would retain her seat. North Carolina 6 would be an open seat. North Carolina 7, these are all Democrats' uh, congressional seats, Kathy Manning, and uh, North Carolina 9, Alma Adams. Um, The Republican seats, districts would uh, change significantly, but the map would likely 
protect the current incumbents that are Republicans, Greg Murphy in NC1, David Rouse down in Wilmington, NC3, Dan Bishop, NC8, Richard Hudson, NC10, Virginia Fox, NC11, and Patrick McKinney, uh, McHenry rather, uh, in NC12. So um, we'll see. And again, as we talked to Keith Kidwell on Thursday, these maps could change again. You get a new Supreme Court, North Carolina Supreme Court, in this coming election. From what Keith Kidwell said and what the leadership is saying, they could file suit and have the—it wouldn't be the exact same map, but it would be a similar map could be reinstated. We'll see. Remember what I said on Friday, that is, that the Biden administration has gotten nothing correct, and so why are we immediately assuming that Jake Sullivan, what he was saying about the imminent Russian attack on Ukraine, why did we assume that it was a done deal? Now, obviously, there are a lot of sources out there that have verified the buildup of troops on the border. But does Vladimir Putin have something else in mind? Is this a negotiating tool of some sort? Um, and for, for the Biden campaign to say what they're saying, is this a wag the, doll deal, wag the dog deal? What's interesting about that, so I said that on Friday. Over the weekend, Ukrainian President Zelensky said that the United States and other allies, would you please share your intel with us concerning a potential Russian invasion of Ukraine? You're saying it's days away. If you have additional 100% certain information about a Russian invasion, would you please share it with us? I cannot agree or disagree with what hasn't happened yet. Right now, there's no full-scale invasion of Ukraine, Zelensky said in a press conference. Over the past week, Zelensky has worked to tamp down uh, panic building of the Ukraine, uh, building in Ukraine, I should say, over the Russian invasion. And if you've heard any of the reports coming out of uh, Kiev in the Ukraine, right now it sounds like that, I mean, there, there people are aware and people are making some preparations, but it's pretty much business as usual in Ukraine. And again, I, I don't want to you know, be whistling in the graveyard and saying there's no concern here. But when the president of Ukraine is saying, we're, we're not reading off the same play sheet that the Biden administration is, it does give you pause to say, okay, what exactly is going on here? Jen Psaki is once again finding her on-the-record statements contradicted by the facts that this week, uh, reporting from the Washington Post, no less. Um, and again, this is what I'm referring to, that the Washington Post is now saying of Jen Psaki, uh, wait a minute, you're telling us one thing and you're, you're trying to contradict our reporting, saying our reporting is false. And uh, the Washington Post is pushing back. Now, to set up this story, here is Lester Holt interviewing Biden from last Thursday, which this aired yesterday before the Super Bowl, concerning the on-the-record, off-the-record reports that the, the Washington Post is referring to the Biden administration continues to try to avoid blame or responsibility for the disastrous, deadly withdrawal from Afghanistan. Here's Lester Holt. This is uh, cut three. This is the Biden interview from the Super Bowl. Um, last Thursday, it was recorded. And uh, we're having 
<laughs> technical difficulties. Let me go ahead and say that during Friday's press conference, oh, we're good to go. Okay, here's the Lester Holt interview. Subject of American citizens, I have to draw your attention to that Army report, an investigative report that's come out about the lead up to the withdrawal from Afghanistan. It, it interviewed many military officials and officers who said the administration ignored the handwriting on the wall. Uh, another described trying to get folks in the embassy ready to evacuate, encountering uh, you know, people who are in, essentially in denial of, of this situation. Does any of that ring true to you? No. No. That's not what I was told. That you were told that the U.S. administration officials were prepared, they knew it was time to get out? No. What I was told, no one told me that, look, there was no good time to get out. But if we had not gotten out, they acknowledged that we would have had to put a hell of a lot more troops back in. It wasn't just 2,000, 4,000. We would have to significantly increase the number of troops, and we were back in this, this war of attrition. And, it, and there was no way we were ever going to unite Ukraine. I mean, excuse me, Iraq, Afghanistan. No way that was going to happen. And so this is a much wiser thing to do. I just want to clarify, are you rejecting the conclusions or the, the accounts that are in this army report? Yes, I am. So they're not, not true. I'm rejecting them. Unbelievable. So during the Friday press conference, Saki, Saki doubled down on Biden's rejection of the accounts and findings and uh, said that, um, you know, they, they really were not correct. She said, I think it's important for people to understand that there was no, quote, after action report. The Washington Post report was not an after action report. It was based on a range of Freedom of Information documents, which is their right to do based on individual interviews of members of the military, including many of whom were not a part of policymaking decisions in the Situation Room. Some were, many were not, Saki said, Saki said. Saki Saki. <laughs> but that is not uh, an after action report, an official report. The Washington Post turned around and said, uh, yes, it was. And uh, really pointed out how it was. The so, I mean, it, it, again, the interesting part about this is a Saki looks like she is caught in a lie again. Biden is caught in not knowing what's going on. I mean, you just heard that part of the interview from Lester Holt. <laughs> Sound like he started to fall asleep in the middle of his answer. Yeah. But, but I mean, when they have total screw-ups, their excuse is, well, I reject it. So what? <laughs> you reject it? It's your military leader's that did indeed have these reports, these after-action reports that said, you screwed up, Mr. President. It was a total screw-up. I mean, those are, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's essentially what they said. It was a disaster. And Saki and Biden says, I reject it. And Saki said, well, that wasn't really an official report. These people don't know what they're talking about. That's their excuse. They're never wrong. Everybody else, the whole rest of the world is wrong, and Saki and Biden have got it correct. But again, the other interesting issue here is this is the Washington Post. 
one of the most liberal publications in the United States. And they're now saying, uh, enough with Saki. We're not going to carry the water for you anymore. Now, they're still a liberal paper. Don't, I mean, don't, don't assume, oh, they had to come to Jesus revelation, a road to Damascus revelation. No, they're still liberal. Joe is useless. Joe, we don't need you anymore. You're a liability. You're no longer an asset. So we are preparing to jettison you, jettison you and your administration. We've got to take another time out. Stay with us. We'll be right back. News and views. He's kind of a diva. He's absolutely fascinating. Ultimate gentleman spy. Irresistible to women, deadly to his enemies, a legend in his own time. You won't believe what he's going to say next on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Here's Tom Lemprecht. WNCT has uh, put out an update concerning that airplane crash that took place yesterday afternoon just off the coast. Officials in a press conference early this evening said that one of the bodies of the eight people who were on that plane that crashed along the coast Sunday afternoon has been recovered and identified. They have not made that name of that person public. Carter County Sheriff Asa Buck said the body of the person whose name has not been released to the public found Sunday afternoon, not long after the crash. He also said bodies of the other seven have not been located and work continues to find those along with collecting debris from the crash to piece together what went wrong. We have no indication anybody survived the crash, Buck said Monday evening. The National Transportation Safety Board is leading the overall investigation into the cause of the crash. Coast Guard officials confirmed Sunday evening that the aircraft, a Pilatus PC-12, which is a single engine, I think it's a turboprop. Um, it's a, for a single engine airplane, it's a fairly large airplane that holds, I think, at least eight people. Maybe it holds more than that. Um, anyway, it went down, and uh, Monday, Monday morning, just after 11, uh, officials say the debris field where the plane was believed to have crashed was found. And again, from earlier today, one uh, body has been recovered. They do know who that individual is. They're still looking for the other seven. So say a prayer for those folks. Uh, When you you say your prayers tonight, uh, say a prayer for, uh, we don't know who they are, um, but it sounds like um, there's, again, there's an unconfirmed report that four of the passengers were students at East Carteret High School. And... uh, with the Carteret County Public School System released a statement. We are incredibly saddened as we join with the Down East and the Eastern North Carolina communities that await official word on the airplane crash, which happened uh, just off the coast of uh, Drum Inlet. School officials said there would be a crisis team on campus to support students and families in the days ahead. A Coast Guard station, Fort Macon motorboat, um, lifeboat uh, crew was launched Sunday along the along with a Coast Guard Hatteras Inlet response boat, um, along with a Jayhawk helicopter. So the Coast Guard is out there doing what they can. Um, Don't know what happened. I'm sure we'll learn more in uh, the days and weeks and months and even years to come. Something like this takes a long time to investigate and figure out what went wrong. Uh, Thanks for being with us. Interesting uh, bunch of stories that uh, happened over the weekend. Um, I think Hillary Clinton's uh, Ambien uh, prescription has probably been increased. Probably a little stronger dosage these days. Just saying.
Hey, have a great night, and uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. Benny should be back tomorrow, so I look forward to having him, and uh, we'll do it all again. See you tomorrow at 5. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.